You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. This week, my guest is Brijesh Patel, the Associate Athletic Director and Director of Athletic Performance at Quinnipiac University and the Head Strength and Conditioning Coach for the 2023 NCAA National Champion Quinnipiac University men's ice hockey team. Brijesh and I first connected back in June after I shared my episode with Quinnipiac men's ice hockey head coach, Rand Pecknold. At the time, the Quinnipiac men's ice hockey team was fresh off the team's first national championship in program history, and Rand and I explored the team's unlikely rise to the top of the college hockey world. If you haven't listened to my episode with Rand yet, I highly recommend you check it out. But for now, here's a little bit of background on Rand's story and Quinnipiac men's ice hockey story, just to set up the conversation you are about to hear with Brajesh. In 1994, Rand took the head coaching job at Quinnipiac for a $6,700 salary. At the time, Quinnipiac's men's ice hockey team was practicing at midnight, the only time available at the nearby rink, and they were coming off of a dismal 6-18 and season in the Division III ranks. Since then, Rand and his staff architected one of the most remarkable turnarounds in sports history, elevated the team to Division I, and catapulted the program to national prominence. The team has now been to eight of the past 10 NCAA tournaments, highlighted by its first national championship in program history back in April. During my conversation back in June with Rand, we explored the success secrets that powered the team's David vs. Goliath-like journey from hockey obscurity 29 years ago to national champions today. Rand shared so many actionable lessons on leadership, coaching, and success, and he sang the praises of his colleague, Brijesh Patel. And from that point forward, I knew I absolutely needed to talk to Brijesh as well. For the past 15 years, Brijesh has been an integral part of the team's remarkable run of success. He joined Quinnipiac in 2008 as the athletic department's head strength and conditioning coach, and today holds the title of associate athletic director and director of athletic performance. Under Brijesh's leadership and philosophy of year-round preparation, Every student-athlete is given an individualized program designed to improve movement skills, core strength, power, speed, balance, and flexibility. The student-athletes are also taught invaluable life skills and career lessons about accountability, time management, and reaching their full potential in anything. Rajesh has been nominated for the National Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year Award in 2016 and 2018, and he regularly writes and lectures about strength, conditioning, and peak performance. In my conversation with Brijesh, we built upon that episode with Rand from a few months ago, and we dove deeper into the success secrets that powered Quinnipiac's unprecedented rise to national champions. We explored how individuals and teams can maximize their performance, and Brijesh shared so many powerful and actionable ideas that apply far beyond the hockey rink. This conversation is filled with lessons to help you achieve more success in anything. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's pull the tarp and get straight 
to Brajesh Patel of the 2023 national champion Quinnipiac University men's ice hockey team. Welcome to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, Rajesh Patel. Thank you, Andrew, for having me on. I'm grateful to be here with you today. Speaking of national champions, you know I, I talked a number of months ago with the Quinnipiac men's ice hockey team's head coach, Rand Pecknold. We had a fantastic conversation on this podcast, and I've gotten so much positive feedback on the conversation with Rand. And I've I learned so much from Rand that I continue to think about every day that I just had to dig deeper. I had to learn more yeah. about the tremendous story of the Quinnipiac men's ice hockey team, a, an incredible, remarkable story over the past few decades. You're an incredible part of it. Coach Pecknold mentioned your name specifically on the, on the podcast we recorded, and I know you have an amazing story yourself. So this is a great honor, Brajesh. I can't wait to dig into it all. Yeah, no, that was it. That was a great interview with Rand. And um, when I had the opportunity to be able to listen to that, it allows the opportunity to kind of like step back a little bit and you start to realize like I'm going on my 16th year now and, and Rand and I, and I've worked together for that amount of time. And there are no a lot of like relationships that go that long. It's pretty cool to step back and, and just kind of take a look at everything that's been able to be accomplished and what we're still, still hungry to accomplish more, but it's, um, it's pretty rewarding to think about it. I want to, Kind of put a pin in that, Brajesh. You talked about like many relationships, whether it's in coaching, in business, you know, in, in any industry, really don't seem to last that long. That's a long tenure for you at one place. It's a long tenure for you and a head coach working together in a, in a program. What do you think when you step back and reflect on that? Like, what do you think have been some of the keys to success to that longevity, both for you at Quinnipiac University and specifically you working with, with Coach Pecknold? I think the number one factor in any kind of relationship that's going to be long lasting is trust. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship with a spouse or significant other, with a boss, with a coworker. I think trust needs to be established, right? And trust within each other to be able to get the job done, trusting each other to understand a high level of communication and a high level of understanding of what the other person is expecting. And I think that's probably the biggest thing about Rand and I is is that there's a high level of trust factor and he's been he's given me trust from day one like he said he's like listen like you know training you know how to get the guys ready this is what I want them to be able to do this is how we want to play and you get it done and for him to be able to instill that level of trust in me you know 16 years ago was empowering, right? It gave me a lot of freedom. It gave me a lot of ownership to be able to build the program in such, in a way that I felt was the best way to be able to not only prepare our student athletes to be able to play the game of hockey, but to help prepare them for life. And that's kind of, I think the way I look at things so much more than the sport itself is just really trying to get everybody to, to be ultimately become the best version of themselves. That is a great segue into something. I, I know you talk a lot about this year-round preparation philosophy. That's a big piece of it. And you kind of hit on it there, right? I mean, it's not just you know, hockey, obviously, in your eyes, requires year-round preparation, but life is obviously yeah. a year-round <laughs> endeavor, right? Yeah. Every single day, 365 days a year. What does, as it pertains to hockey, as it pertains to your world and your ecosystem, what does a year-round preparation philosophy look like in action? So the way I look at things is, is it's, I look at it from the standpoint of like, what is our purpose, right? Like what is our purpose when we start to train? What is our purpose when we start to 
develop? Like, what are we really trying to ultimately understand, looking to do? And for my mind, it's, like I said it before, it's to try to help everybody realize that they can become better, right? And so what everyone, everybody walks through the doors of the weight room, they, they understand the message is to try to get better. And it doesn't matter if we're doing a strength session, a conditioning session, recovery session, whatever it may be, we've got to find a way to get better. And I've been able to utilize that philosophy to try to get people to understand that that's the way you should try to lead your life. Like you should always try to look for ways to improve, always look for ways to to try to get better at something, whether it be something you didn't know about, whether it's something physically you want to get better at, something mentally you want to get better at, but it's a, it's trying to have that growth mindset and try to t- get everybody to understand how to to wire themselves ultimately to try to to try to improve and become the best version of themselves. So when it comes to like physical preparation, which is what I primarily do, a lot of it comes down to the attitude and the mindset that you really bring into a session. And if we can try to get every single person to realize that they have an opportunity to improve and an opportunity to get better, then that usually lends to them putting forth the effort and investing their time wisely that they can actually improve and what starts to happen is they start to notice changes that they just don't get better for their sport, but they get better at everything. I can tell you a story. We've had a number of transfers, right? Since the transfer rule has, has kind of evolved and, and COVID eligibility has really changed things. Is, and that's one thing I give our coaches credit. They've adapted and um, they've been able to bring in guys who, who are looking for ch- some changes. But we've had countless stories where, where athletes they get indoctrinated into our system or into our culture and five minutes into their first session, their, their feedback and their comments are like, now I know why you win, you know, and that's from the, the pace at which we train. That's from the details that we have. That's from the energy. That's from the intensity. That's from the engagement. It's everything. And it's everything that we do is designed towards developing that attitude that we can improve. We can get better. I think that's what it comes down to. Like people can talk about like, oh yeah, we'll do speed training for this long. We'll do strength training, but it's not about that. It's not about the, the methods. It's truly about the principles. How many on that point? I mean, how many things can somebody focus on getting better at, at one time? In my mind and from what I've realized, I think they can get better at like three things, no more than three things. And we've had this conversation with countless number of athletes. So they say, though, I want to work on my skating. I want to work on this. I want to work on this. I want to work on this. I'm like, well, in reality, you can probably do three things, focus on three things you would improve upon at the most. Ideally, I'd say probably one to two, but three at the most. And that kind of lends to to what we talk about with our non-negotiables, which are kind of our standards and expectations of of how we kind of do things. And the first thing is is accountability. The second thing is respect and discipline. And the third thing is work ethic, right? And so those are the three things that we kind of focus on primarily when it comes to setting the standard and setting the stage for how we're going to do things and how we're going to conduct ourselves anytime we train, right? But what starts to happen is that that starts to take a life form of its own where the athletes start to carry that and they start to carry those lessons into every single aspect of their life. So that's their non-negotiables. That's the promises that they make to themselves. I'm going to hold myself responsible for the things I, I'm going to say I'm going to do. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to discipline myself. And I'm, and I'm going to respect my team. So those are the types of things, three things that we try to work on on a daily basis. I've realized when we try to do too much, the messages gets mixed up. And sometimes we've had to peel back some layers a little bit and really get back to our foundation. I found that if we can hammer out those three things consistently, 
then we have a chance to get better and we have a chance to improve. Curious, Prachesh. I mean, like I'm going through a lot of this thinking in my own life, personally and professionally. I'm, you know, I'm, I want to exercise more. I want to eat better. I had triple hernia surgery oh, in December. Lord. I'm coming off of a, a back, a lower back surgery six years ago. I want to feel better physically. Yeah. I want to put better things into my body. I want to treat myself better and I want to exercise more. And I'm trying to think to myself, okay, how do I figure that all out? Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, how yeah. do you, how do you dial it in? You know, but at the same time, you know, I want to be successful professionally. I want to be yeah. a great husband. I want to be a great parent. I, I have, you know, I want to have all these different personal development things that I want to do. And I've been thinking a lot about like, how much can you take on? Yeah, if you try to take on too much, right, you become like a master of none. And I like always try to pride myself that I'm a generalist by nature, like a generalist in the sense that I like to know a little bit about like a lot of different things. And I'll say I'm not an expert in any kind of field, but I try to create the connections with other people where they might become an expert where I can try to, you know, guide people towards what they want to do or where they want to learn. But in context of what it is that you want to get better at, I found that if you can hammer home like maybe two to three things, like more core principles, you'll start to see how lots of aspects of your life will start to change. When you dial in your goal from the standpoint, like I want to exercise more, I want to eat better, but I want to have a better relationship. Let's peel back that layer and a little bit more and let's think about conceptually what it is that you want to develop. Maybe it's just purpose, right? Maybe it's understanding the purpose that you have towards feeling better, right? And if you have, you can start to maybe define what that purpose is and what that message is, you'll start to realize that purpose will help with your sleep, will help with your exercise, it'll help with your nutrition. And then that kind of dials in one aspect of your life. And if you can develop the discipline in one aspect of your life, that often bleeds into another aspect of your life without even focusing on it. You'll just start as a result of you dialing in, maybe it's just your mind, right? It's developing on, I wanna become more positive with the way I think and the way I speak. And it's, you're going to start to look at everything from a different perspective. If you just say, if that's my purpose, that's what I want to work at. I want to be a little bit more positive with everything I do. And the way I speak to myself, maybe you'll start to realize that you can make better choices when it comes to your nutrition or better choices when it comes to scheduling when you're going to train. Does that make sense? It does. And as I'm thinking, and as you're talking, I'm reflecting and it, as I think back, it does seem like when I'm exercising more, I seem to eat better. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what well, goes hand in hand. <laughs> and when I eat better, it seems like I might get into the gym more. And I guess yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Maybe I think some, what happens with, with a lot of individuals is, and you see it with, with athletes all the time. It's a, I think they get bombarded with all this information all the time about what they need to get better at and how they're going to get better at this and that and sleeping and breathing and mindset and, and the type of diet they're going to have. And sometimes I think they get themselves more confused in the, in the, in the long run, when in reality, they're just going to strip things back and be like, well, why, why do you want to get better at it? Let's define that first and foremost. Like, let's figure out what it is that you want to get out of things. And then I think we can figure out the roadmap on how to get there a little bit more effectively. Are you a believer, Brajesh, in like James Clear talks about upstream habits versus downstream yeah. habits. Yep. And the upstream habits are like the things that set up the other positive habits. Do you believe in that? 
I do. I'm a firm believer that human beings are creatures of habit. You know, and that's one of the quotes that we have in our, our weight room is by Aristotle. And we are what we do repeatedly. Excellence is therefore not an act, but it's a habit. And um, I think everything that we do is, is habitually based. I, I gave this talk to, ironically, our men's ice hockey team last week. I said, listen, like I can put up a motivational quote. I can share an inspirational video. I can share a story with you. But in my opinion, like those things are fleeting. Like inspiration and motivation does not last a long period of time. At some point, you need to develop the discipline within yourself to create the right routines within your lifestyle so you can ultimately create the habit. And once it's a habit, it becomes automatic, right? And you can have good habits and you can have bad habits. But once you develop the habits, you'll start to realize that other aspects of your life are going to start to improve. Like simple thing, I'm going to go to sleep by 10 o'clock every single night, right? If you say that and you lay it out there, but I think that the key thing too is, well, why am I going to go to bed at 10 o'clock? Like, what's what's the purpose of that? Like, why should I go to bed before midnight? Why why should I go to bed? Well, that seems early to me. If you don't understand the why behind it, then you're never going to do it, right? Somebody might, you might listen, you might have had a good talk or a good podcast with somebody, a good episode, and it might inspire somebody to take the action steps behind it. But if they don't know what the purpose is behind it, then they're never really, it's not going to last long enough to become a habit. If it's not a habit, then it's not going to be regular and it's not going to be routine for them. So I think really what it comes down to is just trying to figure out what what is it that you want to improve upon and why do you want to do it? And once you know why, then what you do and how you do it starts to fall in line so much better. So it really is all about dialing into the why and understanding the why. And that's how you get kind of that, that ripple effect started. In my opinion, yeah. That's one of the things I tried to figure out when it comes to like coaching different athletes. It's figuring out what makes them tick, you know, and what is their goal and figuring out why they do what they do. Oftentimes, a lot of athletes don't have the self-awareness to understand why they do what they do. And I think that's one of the things that we always try try to truly understand with the athletes that we have is why do you show up every day? Why are you here? You know, if you're going to show up with a bad attitude, like, why are you going to do that? Because now you're going to distract everybody else. You're going to take away from your own performance. You're going to make me pissed off. You know, you're not going to help anybody. So let's figure out like, well, why are you showing up the way in the mood that you're in? Or why are you letting the weather affect your effort right now? Like you hear that all the time. Well, it's raining outside. Well, what does that have to do with your effort? You know what I mean? Or, or this happened to you. It happened to me 10 minutes ago. Like, yeah, it's not happening to you right now. Right? Like, Let's figure out like how to become a little bit more present focused, how to become a little bit more aware. And I think that's probably the the biggest thing that, that I, you know, I really truly enjoy about uh you know working with college athletes too is you see them for four years during really critical periods of their life where they can really try to gain some perspectives. And that's all my job. That's all I try to do is just share insights, share perspectives, so they can gain a get greater understanding of of their own self-awareness and their own kind of personal why. Josh, I'm curious, digging into obviously all the work that you do with the student athletes over the past you know, number of years at Quinnipiac, I'm reminded of something that Rand said when him and I talked. And he talked about the Quinnipiac University men's ice hockey program is more detail-oriented than almost anybody, maybe than anybody in the country. We're more detail-oriented, he kept saying. We, we focus on the details, and, and that's where we get our incremental marginal gains. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about that since. Rand and I talked about it. And I've been thinking about my own personal professional life. How can I be more detail-oriented? Once you've got that purpose 
and you've got the number of, you know, the, a couple of things that you're focused on getting better at. Mm. How do you find the little details that you need to kind of pull on to make all of that difference? That's a great question. And Rand and I are firm believers that we got to focus on the process, right? It's not the outcome all the time. And once you can start to understand that, obviously the goal is to win, right? Like in our environment, in our setting, the goal is to win. The goal is to win games. The goal is to win championships. But if you start to peel back the layers of, well, how do I win, right? Obviously in the sport of ice hockey, it's to be able to score more goals than the other team or give up less goals than you score. Well, you start to figure out, well, what are the details that matter to allow myself to score more goals or give up less? And once you can start to focus on the process rather than the outcome, that's when the details start to reveal themselves. For example, if I know that I want to improve somebody's ability to run faster, I'm going to start to focus on the details of how do I get them to run instead of just focusing on the time, right? I could time them and I can time them how long it gets from point A to point B or five yards or 10 yards or whatever measurement that we're going to be able to have, whatever distance we're going to time them in. But if I can start to get them to understand like the details of how to run faster, which may be being balanced in the middle of my foot, maybe extending my hip, maybe extending my knee joint just a little bit more, maybe getting a little bit more flexible through my hip joint. So it allows me to gain that extra range of motion, maybe getting stronger through certain positions. Then if I can truly understand that as a coach and I can clearly communicate it to the student athlete or to the athlete, the individual that I'm working with, and then I can get them to buy in to understanding why it is that they need to do these things and develop the awareness to get better at it then they can start to own that process of how to actually get better. And then we talked, we started the conversation with about getting better, but it's truly getting them to understand that the, it's the little things that add up over the course of time that allow you to put yourself in the position to win a game, right? And those are things that we talk about on a daily basis with the details of, of our hand position, the details of our foot position, the details of where our rib cage is, the details of what muscles to feel, It's constant streams of information being given to the athletes to get them to understand this is what you should feel and this is why you should feel it in the way you should. And that starts to develop that almost where they take pride in the details more rather than the outcomes. How do you balance too much information versus not enough information, right? Like these details do they ever make an athlete start overthinking things like, Oh, I'm worried about my hip. I'm worried about my hand. And they're not just playing. You all have obviously mastered this and and done this very, very well. I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Well, yeah. And a lot of people will often say like, Oh, you, you don't want to create paralysis by analysis, by giving them too much information. The way we look at things is we're going to give cueing either both internally and externally. And the, the reason why, like, I don't know if you've heard of those terms, but internal cueing is trying to get the athlete to understand their own body where external cueing is giving the athlete a cue outside of their body to be able to apply a task. For example, if I were going to try to work on jumping and try to improve somebody's jump, I could say an internal cue would be to extend your ankle joint, extend your knee joint, really things that are inside their body. Or an external cue would be to push the ground away with as much force as you can, right? And so those are internal external cueings. But the way we look at things is I want the athletes to be able to understand how their body works and how how it functions to allow them to gain ownership, right? And that that's the biggest thing that we try to do is ownership and awareness, ownership and awareness. If an athlete can own their body and they can own their mechanics, 
then they have better control. And we, there's one thing that we talk about all the time is if you can't sense and feel, you can't control and change. So I think the ability to sense and feel their body, sense and feel their mind, sense and feel their hands, sense and feel their technique allows them to control and change. And here's what it comes down to is if you do it on a daily basis and it becomes regular, then it becomes a habit and it becomes part of their routine. And that's what they look to do. But if you don't do it consistently, then I think it can become almost paralysis because they're not used to it. So it's one of those types of things. It's it's a constant stream of cueing and awareness and then asking questions too. Like get them to understand like you're part of this process too. Do you feel it here? Do you not feel it here? What do you think? It's a constant communication between myself and the coaches and between the athletes. And, you know, we can deliver it through video. We can deliver it through tactile. We can get, do it auditorily. There's so many different ways that we can to kind of deliver this information. But one thing I've noticed is being here 16 years and working with kids who come in as freshmen versus when they come in as transfers, the transfers oftentimes it's overload. It becomes overload for them because they've never been coached that way. But over the course of time, if they start to realize that there's no disconnect from what happens off the ice and on the ice, they start to adapt and they start to learn and they start to develop this level of awareness where they can really control and change. I think that's the that's where the magic happens is when you can sense and feel your mind, you can sense and feel your body, you can sense and feel your breath, you can sense and feel your emotions, then you can ultimately control and change them. But if you can never sense and feel them, how can you ever control them? Yeah, it's about... Like feeling, like you said, like feeling it and then being able to control it. Yeah. I can tell you this. So like, so we've got one, um, one of our alum, you know, our alums are back this week. We've got a, um, pretty cool thing that we're doing here is we're doing a pro week where a lot of our alums that play pro hockey are coming back and they're going to train with me in the weight room and they'll go on the ice with one of the guys in particular he's always said, he's like one of the, you know, what separates him from other players in the NHL? And it's, he's like, it's my awareness and his ability to feel his mechanics and feel his technique, feel the position of his stick, feel where his toe blades are, allows him to become that that much more efficient. And those are the types of things that he developed and he attributes to his time here is because we were so detail oriented with with the little things, the nuances that we teach him in the gym and that we taught him on the ice where he's been able to take that with him to the next level where he might not be the most gifted athlete. He's a good athlete, but he may not be the most gifted naturally compared to some of these other, you know, freaks. It's allowed him to be one of the best players in the league. Remarkable. And and it's a lot of what Rand and I talked about, right? It, in our conversation was just the detail orientation and, and the focus on the details was going to enable is what's enabled Quinnipiac to, you know, overcome, you know, what, like Rand said, you know, we've got plenty of talent here. Yeah. But there's yeah. clearly for many years been a talent gap when you have yeah. some programs that we're competing against that have 10, 15 guys, you know, NHL guys sitting mm-hmm. on that that college roster. And Quinnipiac may have three or four or four or five. You've got that's to, being generous. And that's being that's being generous. I guess <laughs> yeah. it may change. Maybe it'll yeah. change <laughs> in the coming years and uh as we go forward here. But as I think back to some of our earlier conversation, you know, I asked you the question around how many different things can you focus on at one time? Mm. And you said two, maybe three. Mm. So are these little detail things like one of those two or three, and then you, you build that habit, you build that muscle memory, that awareness, and then you move on to something else. Like how are you stacking these things on, on top of one another? So a lot of that comes down to the progressions and 
you know, how we might stack exercises together within a given day within a program or how we kind of layer things out over the course of an entire off season. But really what it comes down to, like for me, it's a lot of its core stability and stability is everything. Stability is the ability to sense and feel, ability to control and change. So we talk a lot about like hands, feet, eyes, core with everything that we do. Right. And so if you had to bucket, like what are the three things that you focus on the most? It's probably going to be feet, hands, and their core. Right. And sort of we can hammer out and understand how do I feel my core in this exercise? How do I feel my feet in this exercise? How do I feel my hands in this exercise? Then all we do is we just layer complexity on top of those things. But if they can't find and feel their feet, then that's a big problem. So you got to get, we got to peel back layers and feel back progressions where they can understand how do I feel my feet in this given exercise? And sometimes it may take an athlete months before they can truly understand it. Sometimes it takes them a week. Sometimes it takes one session, but then getting them to understand how to feel my body through every single different exercise that we may do within a program over the course of an off season, over the course of an in season, that's where we can layer and really hammer home uh, patterning and the way I look at things and just in habits. It's like, it's trying to create stronger mind muscle connection, right? Or stronger motor patterning. And the more frequently you can hammer home the same things through different means, the stronger that connection starts to become. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I'm wondering for the listeners out there who may not be athletes, right? We've yeah. got a lot, you know, so many folks from different walks of life and different industries listen to this show every single week. Business leaders, executives, mm. salespeople, school principals, you name it. If you're somebody in that category, right? You're not, you know, in an athletic domain. How do you apply some of these these principles around awareness and feel yeah. to get yourself moving the right direction and maybe some of the important tasks in your life? You know, the probably the biggest ways to think about it too, it's still awareness, it's still feeling, but oftentimes where we'll start is with our body language and our vocabulary. I think those are probably the biggest things in mindset, right? Or the way we think about things. But if you're not an athlete and you're just a business professional, you're a teacher, you're a spouse, whatever it is, and you really want to understand how to institute change within your life, positive change, become aware of your words that you speak and become aware of the body language that you have, right? Like what is your body language like in different situations? Like, are you a victim of the things that happen around you or are you in control of the things that happen around you? For example, right? Like a, the weather example, this happens to everybody, like oh, it's raining outside or it's snowing and all of a sudden like their shoulders slump, right? And they look a little depressed. They look a little down. And you can start to say, well, you know, what's wrong? Like, oh, the weather. Well, what does the weather have to do with your body language right now? You know what I mean? Or the words that you speak, right? Like oftentimes this is something that we talk about all the time is athletes like you know, when they walk in the door, I'll say, are you good or are you great? And they've conditioned themselves to start to understand, hey, Coach B, I'm doing great today. And that comes from Jim Collins, if you've ever read Jim Collins, good to great. Like that's yeah. that tried truly understanding, like we don't want to be good. We want to be better than that. We want to be great. And the words that we choose to speak start to form our reality and they start to form our actions, right? So if the words you speak are constantly negative or maybe not as encouraging, then that's going to directly impact your body language and that's going to directly impact the actions 
that you're going to take on, right? And so vocabulary is a big thing. Like when an athlete says, oh, I can't do it. Well, you've already made the decision that you're not, you can't do it. How about you add yet to the end of your sentence? So I can't do it yet. Or I'm not able to do it right now, but if I continue to work harder, I might be able to do it, right? And so just really simply reframing, reframing the words that you choose to speak to yourself are the most probably most important things that you can ever do if you want to be able to have a positive impact. And one of the things that we talk about is you got to lead yourself before you can lead others, right? Some of the things that we do in the weight room are often like leadership development type things. And if you're not leading yourself, then nobody's ever going to follow you, right? So you've got to be able to lead yourself first. So lead yourself with your, obviously your actions, right? They matter, but lead yourself with the words you choose to speak to yourself first and foremost, right? So choose to speak to yourself in a positive way if you want other people to be positive around you, right? So that's, that's probably the biggest piece of advice I can probably give to other like non-athletic population that will look to improve their management styles, their businesses, their relationships. It's, it's truly be aware of the words you speak and be aware of like the body language that you have. Be aware of the words you speak and the body language you have. It, it's so powerful. It, yeah. it's, it's so powerful, Brajesh. I've heard you say that all of this comes down to relationships and building connections and getting into someone's soul. I've heard you use that phrase, getting into uh-huh. someone's soul. All of us are well served by stronger connections and more formidable bonds with others. And I'm curious, as we start to wrap up our conversation, how can people get into someone's soul and truly understand what makes them tick? It's, it, I know it's an important part of your job and it's a really important part of life. We need more connection. Yeah. I think you have to be selfless, right? I think you have to be selfless and you have to legitimately care about the relationship that you're trying to have with somebody else, right? And like, I have it right in my office. It says, I want to have a positive impact on every single person that I meet. Like that's like goes along with my daily mission, with what I want to do. When I see athletes succeed or the people that I am able to work with succeed, I realize it's about them. It's what they did. It's not anything about what I did. And sometimes people can make coaching about like what it is, what they're doing. Like it's not anything that I'm doing. I'm simply a guide along their journey. Like I've been blessed with the opportunity to be able to, to impact the people around me because of the position that I have, but also their willingness to want to listen to what I say. They make that choice. They don't have to listen to me, but it's up to me to develop the relationship and build up the trust within that person where they actually care to listen to what I have to say or what I have to offer because I care about their own personal development. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is there has to be a high level of care. Like my Angelou's quote, like I think everybody says it, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That is the epitome of every relationship. Like you've got to be able to become a good listener before you can become a good speaker, right? And if, I don't know if this has ever been mentioned on your show, but like one of the books that, that I love about communication, I recommend to all my interns is how to win friends and influence people. Carnegie. Yeah, Dale Carnegie, like a classic book. I was talking about this with with a friend of mine yesterday. Like it's it's been around since the 30s, right? And it is a masterpiece of a book of understanding psychology and sociology to form the best relationships you can so you can positively impact other people. We need those relationships. Like you talk about the purpose and the mission of creating an impact, but it's hard to create an impact or have an impact and have influence 
if you're not focused on the relationships and they're not genuine and they're not authentic. Yeah. And then there's no trust, right? Like that's when, you know, people might put their guards up or people might put their walls up. Like you've got to be able to gain, like we, I think we started the conversation with trust, right? Rand and I trust each other. You got to be able to have trust with any kind of relationship. And I think when it's one of the things that I'll tell the student athletes I work with, it's listen, like my sole purpose is to try to help you. Right. So that means that you need to be able to communicate with me so I can understand how best to help you. So I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to, sometimes I'll give you a hug. Sometimes I'll kick you in the ass. Sometimes I'll push your buttons, but just understand that everything that I do and say is meant for your own benefit. And I'm trying to help you. So you got to be able to communicate with me as I communicate to you. If you say, Coach B, I don't like how you said that, then I'm like, okay, I won't say it again. You know, so I think there needs to be that level of trust in honesty to have the best relationship possible. Josh, this has been an absolute pleasure. I have learned a ton. I'm like racing here to take notes. I could talk to you for hours. And as I mentioned to Rand at the end of our conversation a couple months ago, I said, the story of Quinnipiac men's ice hockey has captivated the minds and hearts of people all over the world. And I think it's shown people from all walks of life, sports, outside of sports, no matter what you do, anything is possible with hard work, attention to detail, yeah. relationships, connection. And it's truly a gift. I don't say this lightly. You and Rand and the team have given the world a gift. The gift of belief and anything's possible. The underdog can always win. And I think, you know, I want to get that Quinnipiac men's ice hockey story and Rand's story and your story out as far and wide as possible because it's not about hockey. It's about life. And it's yes, about it believing is. in yourself, doing the little things, pulling the tarp, like I like to say, mm-hmm. going above and beyond. So I am so grateful of the time that Rand gave me, of the time that you've given me. And I, I can't wait to come see you, you all play. And as I said to Rand, I cannot imagine that there is a, a meal or a beer that any of you will ever have to pay for around that Quinnipiac <laughs> campus because it's, it's just such a marvelous story and you've, you've brought joy to so many people. So thank you for being a part of the Tarp Polar Club and for all the, the advice and, and actionable lessons that you've shared today that we can all put to work. Thank you for your time. It's truly been an honor to be able to spend some time with you and be able to share anything that, I, uh, that I'm willing to offer. I appreciate the time. Rajesh, thank you. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me and want a world full of tart pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Andrew H. Moses. That's Andrew H. Moses. And be sure to sign up for my email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today is a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.